In this presentation, we will discuss how to figure the American Opportunity Credit. This information can be found in publication 970. Figuring the credit. The amount of the American Opportunity Credit per eligible student is the sum of 1. 100% of the first 2,000 of qualified education expenses you paid for the eligible student. So we're taking those qualified education expenses and we're taking the first 2,000 of it, or 100% of the first 2,000. So we're imagining we're putting the educational expenses. We got them lined up. We're taking the first 2,000. We're saying 100% of that first 2,000 of qualified education expenses you paid. That's number one. Two, 25% of the next 2,000 of qualified education expenses you paid for the student. So now we're taking 25% of the next 2,000, which of course would be the next 500, summing those up would be the 2,500. So in other words, if we paid 4,000, that would be kind of the maximum amount that we could take towards the credit, 100% of the first uh, 2,000 and 25% of the second 2,000. Back to the text, the maximum amount of the American Opportunity Credit you can claim in 2018 is 2,500 multiplied by the number of eligible students. So, of course, this applies to each eligible student uh, as we go through this 2,000 and these 25% of the second 2,000. You can claim the full 2,500 for each eligible student for whom you paid at least 4,000 of adjusted qualified educational expenses. So we need the 4,000 of educational expenses so that we get 100% of the first 2,000 and 25% of the second, which then would add up to that 2,500 per student. Back to the text. However, the credit may be reduced based on your modified AGI. So remember that even if we qualify, even if we paid the 4,000, and we, we took 100% of the first 2,000, 25% of the second, we have that AGI, that limitation, that phase-out limitation. So that's going to be as our income increases, we have that phase-out amount. Let's take a look at some examples. Example one, Jack and Kay Ford are married and file a joint return. For 2018, they claim their dependent daughter on their tax return. Their uh, modified adjusted gross income is 70000 Their daughter is uh, in her junior third year of studies at the local university. Jack and Kay paid qualified education expenses 4300 in 2018. So that would mean that Jack and Kay, their daughter, and the local university meet all requirements for the American Opportunity Credit. Jack and Kay can claim the 2500 American Opportunity Credit in 2018. This is 100% of the first 2000 of qualified education expenses and 25% of the next 2000. Let's take a look at how this might play out in our test 1040. This won't be the exact example, but similar. So we have a married uh, couple. They're not going to have the same names here. Married couple. And then we have the one dependent. So we're just going to say it's a dependent child. So we have one dependent child. This is the dependent then that's going to have the qualified expenses. So this is the dependent going to school, still a dependent on the tax return and therefore eligible for the taxpayers, these two individuals, the parents, we would assume, to make uh, take the credit possibly. Now, if we roll down, we're going to say that for... Uh, 70,000 was income between the two and we had no adjustments. So we're going to say that that's going to equal our adjusted gross income. So this line seven modified adjusted gross income. So this one adjusted slightly would be the number that we would look into for the phase out. They're married. So the phase out is fairly high. 
we shouldn't have a problem at the 78,000 with relation to the phase out. 24,000 is the standard deduction for married filing joint that we're going to take, giving us the taxable income 46,000, tax calculated at 5,142. Then we have the credits up top. So we have the other uh, dependent credit. We're not worried about that. that's not the one we're looking into here. We're looking into this line 12, which includes the education credits. That is coming from Schedule 3. So Schedule 3, we'll see that 1,500 up there. Now you might be saying, hey, this credit should have been 2,500 because they paid in uh, more than 4,000. Well, that's true. And the credit note, the credit's going to be broken out on the tax form as part of it is included here. It's 1,500 plus that 500 that we're not concentrating on now is that 2,000. And then we have the other 1,000 down here to bring it up to the 2,500. The reason they do that is because this portion is going to be what would be refundable. And they're basically, this credit they're putting down here, they're going to say is refundable, which means that it could take your liability below zero. Now, this one doesn't, but they're still putting it down here because that's just an easy way to calculate it. So this would be the refundable amount that could give you money back even if you didn't pay any in. This up here would only take you down to zero, 1,005 of it being related to the education credit. So if we subtract that out, then we still have tax owed or a liability after the credits of 2011 uh, in our example problem. We could see that in Schedule 3, there's that 1,500. This is coming from Form 8863. So here's 8863 called the Education Credits. Now, if we go to page two of the education credits, and we're, we're gonna, I'm going to scroll down through the questionnaire, we're going to be saying that we qualify for the American Opportunity Credit, and that's going to be the 4,000. Now, she, they paid 4,300, but 4,000 is kind of the max that we use on the form because that's the max that will basically qualify us for the credit. So even though they paid 4,300, we start at the 4,000. And that's the adjusted qualified education expenses. Line 28 says subtract 2,000 from line 27. Subtract 2,000. That leaves us 500. Then we multiply line 28 by, I'm sorry, subtract 2,000 leaves us the 2,000. And then line 29 says multiply line 28 times 25%. That gives us the 500. So then line 30 says if line 28 is zero, enter the amount from line 27. Otherwise, add 2,000 to the amount on line 29 and enter the result. Skip line 31. So that's how we're going to get to that 2,500. So in other words, for over 4,000 was paid for, for the expenses. 4,000 is the max that we need to get the maximum credit. And remember that the law says that we take we take 100% of the first 2,000. So that's the 2,000 on line 28. And then 25% of anything above that. So then if we subtract those two out, if we had something other than uh, the 4,000 paid in, we would take 25% of the amount above that. Since we have the maximum of 4,000, this is how we're calculating the 2,500, which again, re you'll recall in the law said we take 100% of the first 2,000 and 25% of the second 2,000. Now that would be it. You would think, ah, oh, I should see that 1,000, that 2,500 on the 1040 somewhere in the credit section. But then we have to break it out between the refundable and not refundable. So that if we go to page one, We've got the 2,500 that's being pulled over from page two. And then we've got number two says, enter 180 if married filing joint, 90 if single. We have the 180 because they're married filing joint. That's the upper cap. That's the, the married filing joint cap. So if they're over that much, they wouldn't uh, be getting the credit because of the, the uh, cap on wages. Number three says, enter the amount on form 1040 line seven. 
that's the AGI line seven. So this is our adjusted gross income, kind of our income test now. Line four says subtract line three from two. So if we subtract 180 minus 70, that gives us the 110. And then line five says enter 20,000 if married, filing joint, 10,000 if single, head of household, or qualifying widow. We've got the 20,000. Line six says uh, uh, if line four is equal or more than line five, enter one. So we're going to enter one there. And then line seven, seven says multiply line one by line uh, six. So here's line one, 2,500 times line six, which is one, which means we're going to get the full 2,500. And that in essence is saying we're not getting, we're, there's no limitation here by the, the cap on income, the, the income limitation. So now line eight says refundable uh, American opportunity credit multiply line seven. So this line times 40%. So this is the full possible credit of 2,500. So we got two five times 0.4. This would be the refundable portion. Now the refundable portion means that you would still get money. Even if you, even if you had a zero, to, like the tax liability went to zero, you'd still get money back a refund, even though it's not kind of really a refund. But it's going to be there whether or not uh, the tax liability is zero or not, because that's the way they, they calculated this form. And then, and then the rest of it is going to be on the subtract line eight from seven, leaving us with 1,500 left over. And that's what's up here. So on schedule three, there's the 1,500. And then on the 1040, we have the 1,500 included in line 12, and then the refundable amount here. So again, the reason they break those two out is because uh, this one would still give us a credit even if the liability was zero. We would get money. I mean, in other words, we would get money back even if the liability was zero. In this case, it's not. And they still put it down here in the refundable, which is a little different than some of the other refundable credits will work. You'll notice we don't have any of the refundable credits here. So, but this, not, they wouldn't be here in this example anyways. But note that's a little bit different than you might be used to with other refundable credits in this case we put the refundable credit down here whether or not it's being treated as a refundable portion or not back to the text form 1098t to help you figure your american opportunity credit the student may receive a form 1098t tuition statement generally an eligible educational institution such as college or university must send form 1098t or acceptable substitute to each enrolled student by january 31st 19 uh, 2019 and in, so notice it could be there the month after. So we're talking about a 2018 return. It should be there by January 31st, just a month later in the 2019, the year we would be filing for the 2018 return back to the text. An institution will report payments received, box one, for qualified education expenses. However, the amount on form 1098-T might be different from what you paid. When figuring the credit, use only the amount you paid or are deemed to have paid in 2018 for qualified education expenses. In other words, usually the 1098T is the thing we can use and we're good to go, but it may be uh, the, the differences in which case we'd have to know how much we paid and go into those rules in terms of the payments made in 2018 versus when the actual education took place, uh, it, whether the education took place in 2018 and 2019. So we could go and go back and review those rules. Back to the text. In addition, Form 1098-T should give uh, other information for that institution, such as adjustments made for prior years, the amount of scholarship or grants, 
reimbursements or refunds and whether the student was enrolled at least half time or was a graduate student. Notice those are all, all the information we kind of need typically. And once again, the IRS basically puts pressure on the institution to give us all this information because they have more leverage there. And therefore, the, the 1098T hopefully, usually gives us all we need, which means they're going to give us the amount that was the payments plus the scholarships and grants because that's the amount that we might have to reduce our, our, the expense amounts by or maybe even have an option if we included an income or not reimbursements or refunds again uh, that would be important information that we'd have to deal with whether or not the student was enrolled half time notice that that was part of our requirements to see half time or full time they're required to possibly report that typically on the 1098t and whether they were a graduate student versus a first four year student because remember if they're a first four year student they're they could probably qualify if they're a graduate student and they're past their four years which would be freshman through senior of college, then they may not qualify for the American Opportunity Credit, but possibly the lifetime learning. All that information typically, hopefully, on the Form 1098-T provided by the institution. Back to the text. The eligible educational institution may ask for a completed Form W-9-S request for students, students or borrowers' taxpayer identification number and certification or similar statement to obtain the student's name, address, and TIN, taxpayer identification number. Obviously, in order to uh, give this information, the school's going to have all your information or your student's information, which includes, you know, address, contact information, and a TIN, tax identification number, possibly being the social security number. So the school knows everything, you know, here I give the school everything there, and then they can provide you just like with the employer then they can provide you with that information. If any of that information is not correct, then of course you may not receive your 1098T and you wanna, even if you've left the school or something like that, gotta go back to the school and see about that information. They may of course provide it electronically as well, like many schools do, and so that you can, you can possibly go on and uh, at least request the 1098T electronically possibly. Back to the text. To claim the American Opportunity Credit, you must provide the Educational Institution Employer Identification Number, EIN, on your Form 8863. You should be able to obtain this information from Form 1098-T or the Educational Institution. So once again, the Educational Institution needs to be known by the IRS. The IRS only knows anybody by a number. And that number for the institution is the EIN, Employer Identification Number.